Shalom. Welcome to another episode of God's Little Hummingbird, the podcast where we are reading through the Bible from the beginning to the end using the original language as a guide. It has been a while, and I'm sorry, um, very crazy, very busy month. Um, yeah, with being a farmer photographer, and then we went to Texas to visit my beautiful sister and her family, and so. I have not had much time to do a podcast, but I'm back (laughs) and let's get into it. We're reading from the New King James Version Bible today. Today we are in 1 Samuel chapter 14. And I do pray, Father God, opens our eyes, ears, and hearts to his truth. Now it happened one day that Jonathan, Yochanan, the son of Shaul, Saul, said to the young man who bore his army, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. So remember, Saul is the king of Israel at this point. Jonathan is his son. And here Jonathan turns to his armor bearer and says, Hey, let's go over to these Philistines. Now remember, the Philistines are linked very closely to the modern Palestinians. Okay, verse 2. And Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men. So this is like an army, right? Here's the king with his soldiers. Ahid, Ahid, well, they say Ahijah, but remember there's no y, a J in Hebrew. It's Ahiah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli. <laughs> Yahweh's priest in Shiloh was wearing an ephod. But the people did not know what the Jonathan had gone. So here's the priest with the ephod amongst the people. The ephod is where they went to inquire of Yahweh. And Saul and his men are unaware that what Jonathan was doing. Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of one was Bozez, which means glistening, and the name of the other, Sinah, and that means thorny. So, which you'll notice in um, biblical times, and I think people still kind of do it, they named these rocks or these outcroppings based on very physical descriptions and adge- words that could be used as like an adjective <laughs> they described what it looked like so oh that one's glistening let's call it glistening this one it looks thorny let's call it thorny <laughs> so that's kind of interesting <laughs> the the front of one face <clears throat> i'm sorry the front of one face northward is opposite mikmash and the other southward opposite gibeah Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. I want to point out again, this word uncircumcised here. Uncircumcised means, I mean, yes, it physically can mean uncircumcised, but it always refers to Gentiles. So when you get to the book of Galatians, or if you go through that podcast, anytime they use the word uncircumcised, it means not an Israelite or not a Jew who was, because yes, the Israelites are physically circumcised, but it means like a non-believer. If you think about the uncircumcision of heart, they're Gentiles. They haven't joined to the, to the um, remnant of Israel. It may be that Yahweh will work for us, for nothing restrains Yahweh from saving by many or by few. So his armor bearer said to him, Do all that's in your heart. Go then, here I am with you according to your heart. Then Jonathan said, Very well. Let us cross over to these men, and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, Wait until we come up to you, then we will stand still in our place and not go up to them. But if they say thus, come up to us, then we will go up, for Yahweh has delivered them into our hand, and this will be a sign to us. And that word their sign in Hebrew is ult, which is like a definitive marking. 
So this was their sign. They're like, hey, if, if, if they say to us, hey, come on up, then we know Yahweh has delivered them into our hands. We're going to go up and have this great battle. If, if they say, wait, then that's our sign from Yahweh, just to wait and, and hold still. It is okay, my people, to ask Yahweh signs, to ask him confirm what he wants of you. It's a beautiful thing to seek him and inquire him his will. <clears throat> I apologize for the, <laughs> for the constant clearing my throat this morning. I just ate like a huge breakfast with like eggs and um, everything. <laughs> so it's like my throat. I didn't realize I would be doing this. I'm sorry. Hope you can push through with me. Okay, verse 11. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden. Then the men of the garrison called to Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us and we will show you something. Ooh, there's their sign. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up, come up after me, for Yahweh has delivered them into the hand of Israel. He had faith. He believed. He stayed fast to what Yahweh showed him. Isn't that amazing? How many people, um, they, 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 they wonder or they pause or they, they ask for another sign or they, they doubt so easily. But here's Jonathan, one sign, he gets his sign, he goes. I really believe that Yahweh works for those who have great faith like that. I know I've seen it in my life. The more faith you have, don't fear, don't doubt. Just the more faith you have, the more he can do in you. Let him be glorified. He's beautiful. Verse 13. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan. And as he came after him, his armor bearer killed them. Interesting, huh? So they're climbing on their hands and knees. So there must be, must be a, I don't know, a little precarious location so they couldn't just stand. Or maybe they didn't want to get shot with arrows. <laughs> Who knows? Um, interesting that they chose to do this. They're like crawling, and they're falling before him. That's awesome. That first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within about half an acre of land. That's awesome. Like Yahweh is just delivering the Philistines into their hand, into Jonathan and his armor bearer's hand because of his faith. And Yahweh got the glory. And that is who Jonathan called out to, and that's who Jonathan gave all glory to. He said, for Yahweh can say, with many or few, always give glory to Yahweh. And there was trembling in the camp, in the fields, and among all the people. The garrison and the raiders also trembled, and the earth quaked so that it was a very great trembling. Now, do you really believe the earth quaked? I want to point out here again, Hebrew writers are very, very poetic in nature. They say things in the Hebrew language that's very overstated. Think of Yeshua's words to Peter, get behind me, Satan. And when he tells him, unless you hate your mother or father. No, Hebrews have a way of overstating everything. That's how it works in the Hebrew language. It's a very poetic, very circular language. It's not linear. It doesn't mean, like in Greek, it's very logic-based. In Hebrew, it's very heart-based. It's feeling-based. So here's a symbolic picture, like a, um, a synonym. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> it's like a, a, I can't even think of the word right now. I'm so sorry. But it's like a, a simile. It's something that is like another. The earth quaked. But that is supposed to make us think of the image that all the people were afraid. People were afraid, okay? Now the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and there was a multitude melting away, and they went here and there. 
Then Saul said to the people who were with him, Now call the roll and see who has gone from us. And when they had called the roll, surprisingly, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. So here's Saul. He's like, what is going on? They're looking over there, and the Philistines are like freaking out. They're melting. They're they're scared. They're going away. And Saul's like, what? Who, who's not even here? What who is some of our people over there fighting? And Saul said to Ahiah, bring the Ark of Elohim here. For at that time, the Ark of Elohim was with the children of Israel. So what they're clarifying here, it wasn't in the temple yet. Now it happened while Saul talked to the priest that the noise which was in the camp of the Philistines continued to increase. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all the people who were with him assembled. So basically he's saying, okay, come on, we don't, we don't have time for this right now. Let's just go. Like It's like increasing the noise. We just got to get going. So they went to the battle. And indeed, every man's sword was against his neighbor. And there was great, very great confusion. So Yahweh must have brought in confusion. I want to point out something here. Um, let's look at this word. I think it's good for you to read um, the Bible with either a Hebrew interlinear or just from the Hebrew Bible if you speak Hebrew really well like that. Um, or like with an app where you can push the words and see. And one of the things that you'll look at is just click on certain words, right? So here's the word for confusion. Um, and it's 4103. And it, this is the word mechuma. And it means tumult, confusion, disquietude. But there's another word, confusion. I wanted to see if it was the same one there. Babylon, Babylon, Babel. <laughs> Babylon, right? And I wanted to see if that was there. So I want to encourage you guys to do the same thing. Read on an app where you can click on the word and go look at the words. Now, I do, I am very upset at Blue Letter Bible recently over the last um, five to ten years. They have changed definitions. And so if you go back to the old um, paper print, older editions like that I have of the concordance, the words mean something different. Like what they used to mean was the more accurate versions. And based on modern sway and um, lukewarmness and different things that I've seen happening in the body where they want things to mean certain ways, they have changed some of these words. So I do encourage you to also look on Amazon or some of those bookstores to get some of these older concordances because the words were, were um, translated more accurately. And I've looked at quite a few words that I've <laughs> used to be translated one way and I'll click on it and it doesn't say that anymore. And I'll be like, what in the world? And I'll go back and look. And if, if you know Hebrew, it doesn't mean what the modern tradition is trying to say it means, what the modern translation or the Blue Letter Bible is trying to say. Or I guess maybe that's like just, I don't know who does that. I'm, I'm blame, I don't want to blame Blue Letter Bible, I guess, if it's not their fault. But whoever is updating the definitions has an agenda, let me say. And I think Satan is with him <laughs> or whoever's doing it uh, because it doesn't make the, it, it skews the meaning. For example, the word shatnez. It doesn't mean just woolen linen. It means any two different fibers. But, um, and that's what it originally, if the old, anyway, I'm sorry. Let's get back on track. I guess I've missed you guys. I want to sit and chat a while. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to keep reading if I can find my spot. Because, okay, verse 21. Moreover, the Hebrews who were with the Philistines before that time, who went up with them into the camp for the surrounding country, they also joined the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, all the men of Israel who had hidden in the mountains of Ephraim, when they heard that the Philistines fled, they also followed hard after them in the battle. So once they saw the victory happening, then they joined too. And I think that's what I see a lot of people doing. I'm sorry, another tangent um, in the spiritual realm. But I would say 
shouldn't we be more like Jonathan, like David, like how the people were who mighty just to follow God themselves? Don't look at who makes sense to you. Look at Yahweh himself. Have faith in Yahweh yourself. Let him lead you. Go against the Philistines because you can do it because Yahweh's with you. You don't have the power. Yahweh has the power. And these people, what it shows is there was one person and his armor bearer who had the strength. And these other people joined in once they saw him winning. But why weren't they doing it before? And yes, not everybody can be a leader, but I still, I still just say, come on, like just, you have the faith in Yahweh, you rise up, you have a role in the, in the family of God. You don't need to listen to quote pastors or other teachers. Yes, learn from each other, but you don't need somebody else to be with you. You have Yahweh. Okay. So Yahweh saved Israel that day and the battle shifted to Beth So they moved front lines. So their, their place where they had been battling moved because Yahweh moved them out of that area. He gave Israel the victory. And the men of Israel were distressed that day, for Saul had placed the people under oath, saying, Cursed is the man who eats any food until evening, before I have taken vengeance on my enemies. So none of the people tasted food. Saul is a very foolish man. He, he pretended to be humble. He did believe in Yahweh, but he would say the stupidest things and do the dumbest things. Who, who in the day of battle says, Oh, let's fast and let's not have food. But he did it. He was, he was thinking he was doing the right thing. It's just like taking a vow, saying things, that, oh, I won't do this to Yahweh if he does it. Stop. Stop. Those are, they come from foolish hearts, and that's how people fall. That's how people fall. He, was, he felt he was being, I think, I think people do it in an effort to look righteous or be righteous or gain righteousness. Because here's Saul cursed be the man because he'd heard of other people doing this, putting people under oaths. But this was a foolish oath. This was a foolish vow. Cursed be the man who eats food. Why does God need your fasting that day? God was already giving the victory. Yahweh was already doing great things. So I think we, people in a semblance, in, a, in an effort to look holy and righteous, they say things like, God, if you deliver me, I'll never do this again. God can do it anyway. <laughs> he doesn't need you to do that. And, and watch, because you don't, it's not your righteousness that caused him to move for you. You don't have any. We don't have any. Our righteousness is Yeshua. All of our righteousness is like filthy rags, like Isaiah says. Yes, we're to be humble. Yes, we're to be contrite. But we are not good people. We need his Holy Spirit every minute of every day. And here's Saul and I believe it, come, it came in an effort to make himself look holy and him, to make himself look righteous. Look, I'll, put, I'll do this righteous thing. We'll not eat food. And then Yahweh will take vengeance. But notice all, so Saul says, take vengeance on my enemies. He should only be defending the name of Yahweh. He should say, take vengeance on the enemies of Yahweh. And if you look at David's words, you're going to see that. David is always like, who defies the armies of Israel? Remember when he fights Goliath? Uh, we'll get there soon. Anyway, so none of the people tasted food. So here they are fighting a battle and not eating. Kind of stupid, not very wise. So the people were distressed for obvious reasons. Fighting and wrestling and doing all that stuff takes energy. Now, all the people of the land came to a forest, and there was honey on the ground. And when the people had come into the woods, there was the honey dripping, but no one put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. That's the thing. When you make foolish oaths and vows, you hurt other people. 
Because if you did put a vow or something on there, and then Yahweh's like, well, now it's got to stand because you were foolish. Then if somebody does something contrary to that word, then they're hurt. So they didn't want to get struck. They didn't want to be killed. They didn't want to be hurt, so they didn't eat. But Jonathan had not heard his father charge the people with the oath. Therefore, he stretched out the end of the rod that was in his hand and dipped it in a honeycomb and put his mouth to his hand, sorry, put his hand to his mouth and his countenance brightened. Right? Honey's good. Then one of the people said, Your father strictly charged the people with an oath, saying, Cursed is the man who eats food this day. And the people were faint. So they were all faint because they've been fighting with no food. And here's Jonathan like, didn't even hear his father. He ate some. But Jonathan said, My father has troubled the land. Look now how my countenance has brightened because I tasted a little of this honey. Jonathan's like, look, I ate some food, so I like, I'm feeling so much better. How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies, which they found? For now, would there not have been a, a much greater slaughter among the Philistines? So here's Jonathan, who already had the faith in Yahweh, who said, wow, that was really stupid what my dad did. If they had been able to eat, look how much more power we would have to keep fighting off these Philistines. Like, what was my dad thinking? 31. Now they had driven back the Philistines that day from Michmash to Ayalon. So, Ayalon, sorry. So the people were very faint. And the people rushed on the spoil and took sheep, oxen, and calves and slaughtered them on the ground. And remember that word them is added in. On the ground and the people ate them with the blood. Well, they're starving. They're hungry. By this time, they're just done. They're like, okay, the battle's over. <clears throat> Saul had said, curse be this day, you know, before vengeance is taken, but now it is. And well, it takes time to cook meat and slaughter an animal. So here's the people being very wicked now because of Saul's foolish oath. And they're just eating with the blood, which is disgusting, but they're doing it. Then they told Saul, saying, look, the people are sinning against Yahweh by eating with the blood. So he said, you have dealt treacherously. Roll a large stone to me this day. So Saul's like, hey, you guys have dealt treacherously, but he doesn't even acknowledge his own sin in the matter. Then Saul said, disperse yourselves among the people and say to them, bring me here every man's ox and every man's sheep. Slaughter them here and eat. Do not sin against Yahweh by eating with the blood. So every one of the people brought his ox with him that night and slaughtered it there. So finally, Saul's like, hey, come on, we need to cook. And yes, it was abominable what they did, but it was also wrong what Saul did. And you can see that Saul, over time, you're going to see him get more and more arrogant and make it more and more about himself. Then Saul built an altar to Yahweh. This was the first altar that he built to Yahweh. Now Saul said, let us go down after the Philistines, but, uh, sorry, point out, they could build an altar then because the place where Yahweh had put his name was not yet established. The, alt, the temple had not been there. Therefore, there was not an, ex, um, an exile. There was not a punishment from which he took from the altar. There had not yet been an altar established at the temple. After the time of the temple, then we were no longer allowed to, to sacrifice anywhere but at the temple of Yahweh. And that is in, in Leviticus where it says, no longer shall you sacrifice to goat demons wherever you choose, but only in the place where Yahweh puts his name. Deuteronomy 12 through 18 clarifies only in Jerusalem we are to take our sacrifices and our vows and stuff like that. So we have to wait for the restoration because our father sinned and we got exiled. Chapter, I'm sorry, verse 36. Now Saul said, let us go down after the Philistines by night and plunder them until the morning light and let us not leave a man of them. And they said, do whatever seems good to you. Then the priest said, let us draw near to Elohim here. So Saul asked counsel of Elohim. Shall I go down after the Philistines? Will you deliver them into the hand of Israel? But he did not answer him that day. Ooh, Yahweh didn't even answer. Now, if one of you knows the ancient tradition, I haven't looked into this, because the Urim and the Thummim on the ephod typically were 
like stones. But here, Yahweh didn't answer him. So you couldn't just, it wasn't just pulling out a stone. It wasn't just casting lots. There's something bigger. How did they know he didn't answer? How did they know? Because if you just had lots, you could put your hand in. You're going to draw one of them. That's, so that's not what they did, okay? There was something bigger how this practice happened because they understood that Yahweh wasn't answering them. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Because so in the ephod, if you had, let's say there's a black and a white, and the black meant no, and the white meant yes. And if you pull out one of the stones, you're going to think that's the answer of Yahweh. But there was a way here definitively that they understood that Yahweh was not answering them. So that wasn't just as easy as some people. I see some people try to cast lots, but then how do you know if Yahweh's not answering you, right, in the way that way? Because there has to be a way to tell if he's not answering you. And Saul said, come over here, all you chiefs of the people, and know and see what the sin was today. For as Yahweh lives who saves Israel, though it be Jonathan my son, he shall surely die. Again, again, he speaks foolishly with his mouth. Saul, like, he makes these boastful claims, trying to be righteous. Even if it's my son, I'll kill him. It comes from a place of insecurity, a place of supposed humility, but truly pride, making himself look righteous. But not a man among all the people answered him. Then he said to all Israel, You be on one side, and my son Jonathan and I will be on the other side. And the people said to Saul, Do what seems good to you. Therefore Saul said to Yahweh Elohim of Israel, Give a perfect lot, but the word there isn't actually lots, not in there. Um, and the Masoret text in the Targum, Septuagint, I'm sorry, so the Septuagint and Volga actually add in a verse here. But it says, why do you not answer your servant today? If the injustice is with me or Jonathan, my son, O Yahweh Elohim of Israel, give proof. And if you say it is in your people, Israel, give holiness. And so I don't, I think that's left out for a reason. But anyway, so Saul and Jonathan were t taken, but the people escaped. And Saul said, cast lots between my son Jonathan and me. And Jonathan was taken. So I guess on this part, I stand corrected. They were doing lots on this because Yahweh hadn't been answering them, but now Yahweh's making, they're asking for a direction. Okay, who is it? Then Saul said to Jonathan, tell me what you have done. And Jonathan told him and said, I only tasted a little honey with the end of the rod that was in my hand, so now I must die? Like Jonathan, I know, is like saying, like, really? Saul answered, God, do so and more also, for you shall surely die, Jonathan. But the people said to Saul, shall Jonathan die who has accomplished this great deliverance in Israel? Certainly not. Thank God. They stood up and spoke this. As Yahweh lives, not one hair of his head shall fall to the ground, for he has worked with Elohim this day. So the people rescued Jonathan, and he did not die. Then Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, and the Philistines went to their own place. Do not speak foolish vows with your mouth. Now, thank God the people had enough sense not to say, well, okay, Saul, do whatever you feel is good. <laughs> they were like, you're an idiot, Saul. What are you saying? Why are you saying all this stupid stuff? Jonathan's not going to die. He was the one who believed in Yahweh. So they interceded. But do you notice, Yahweh still didn't answer Saul because of what Jonathan has, had done. So Yahweh, because he is Yahweh, that vow that he heard the oath, he's like, well, I'm not going to answer you because Jonathan did eat. He put a curse on Israel. Gosh, I mean, guys, this goes back to the power of life or death in the tongue. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you say. Saul literally cursed them. If you curse the children of Israel, I believe firmly it's going to come back to you, don't you? Because... He who blesses you shall be blessed, but he who curses you shall be cursed. So if you curse the children of Israel, if you curse your brother or sister, you are going to be cursed. So if your life gets hard, you better be looking at what you did. Also, did you speak foolishly? We need to really watch our hearts. 
Oof, we need to watch our hearts. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, you know, it talks about our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know, his will be done on earth as in heaven. Um, it talks about give us our daily bread. One of the things it talks about, the one thing, it says forgive us our debts as we or like we forgive others. The only or the main thing in that prayer that we are commanded to do when Yeshua teaches us to preach or to pray is to forgive. If you read the book of Micah, it says, what, what does God desire of you, O man, but to love justice and mercy and walk humbly before your Elohim? And, and I, it was, there's one other little, I mean, I paraphrase that. Forgiveness is love. Forgiveness matters to God. If you don't forgive those who wronged you, if you don't forgive the people that didn't even wrong you, but that you were just incorrectly thinking wronged you, you're in big trouble. Yahweh wants mercy. That's the most important thing. Don't, don't curse God's people. Don't be mad. Pray for them. Verse 47. So Saul established his sovereignty over Israel and fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, against the people of Ammon, against Edom, against the kings of Zobah, and against the Philistines. Wherever he turned, he harassed them. And he gathered an army and attacked the Amalekites and delivered Israel from the hands of those who plundered them. The sons of Saul were Jonathan. Okay. <laughs> Some people call this Abinadab, but the, right here it says um, Yeshui and Machashua. And the names of his two daughters were these. The name of the firstborn, Merav, and the name of the younger, Michal. Michael, um, that is a girl. And if you've, we've, we've known Michaels that are Jewish women. So their name is Michael but in English, but it's Michal in Hebrew. The name of Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Ahimaaz. And the name of the commander of his army was Abner, the son of Ner, Saul's uncle. Okay, so this is Saul's cousin. Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner the father of Abner was the son of Abiel. Now there was fierce war between, or, I'm sorry, with the Philistines all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw any strong man or any valiant man, he took him for himself. So he made him in his, arm, um, in his army. Okay, leave on this note today. May you go in love. Please don't make foolish vows or oaths. Watch what you say. God doesn't need to add it to it. Jonathan wasn't making oaths, and Yahweh gave him a great deliverance. All he said was, Lord, just give me the sign. He didn't need to add extra words to make it more righteous, more religious, more good. He just gave the glory to Yahweh. And let's forgive, let's forgive, let's forgive.